What's up, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Along the Keel, a podcast dedicated to the brands that are being built outside. My name is Captain Zach, and in this week's episode, I get to talk with Adrian and Katie Amabile, the founders of Amabile Co. Amabile is a jewelry company, and it is dedicated to help preserving our oceans, but not only that, educating and inspiring you to do the same. After a quick trip down to the Outer Banks during a family vacation, Adrian and Katie were enamored by the destruction that it created, but not only that, all the pollution that had been pulled up onto the beaches. So rather than doing nothing and sitting on their hands, they decided to get to work, and Adrian and Katie created Amabile Co. Now, in this week's episode of the show, we're doing something a little bit different, a little special, and hopefully you'll get involved. We partnered up with the guys from Chasing Tides, and they just wrote an awesome article about Adrian and Katie. And if you want to read it, you can head over to ChasingTides.com. There is also a link in the bio below. But not only that, you can actually enter to win one of these bracelets. So if you'd like to enter to win, all you got to do is go follow Chasing Tides, Amabile, and Along the Keel on Instagram. Tag through your friends and like the image that we post tomorrow. Now, tomorrow is May 24th. And all entries must be in on May 27th, and the winners will be drawn on May 28th. So that's when the winner is going to be drawn. If you're listening to this after May 28th, I'm sorry. But make sure to stick around, listen to the podcast, enjoy the episode, and go over to alongthekeel.com, sign up for our newsletter, check us out on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and wherever else we are on the interwebs. Also, huge shout out to Chasing Tides, who just did an article on Amabile Co. This is launching simultaneously with them. And also Waypoint TV. WaypointTV.com is a great place if you are a hunter or a fisherman and looking to just watch some cool content. If you're looking for a documentary, a TV show, a movie, tune in. If you got a Samsung TV, check them out. we got an app over there. So anyway, hope you guys enjoy this episode of the podcast, episode number 63 featuring Amabile Co. So what brings you to the lake house just for the, to get away for St. Patty's day or. Yeah, just to hang out and have fun. My, um, my parents are here. His parents are here. Um, my aunt lives next door. So it's, it's not super far from our house. So we like to make mm-hmm. day trips and spend the night and, you know, just hang Might out as well. Might, Might as, as well. well right. Right. Yeah. We try to take we try to take a few photos while we're here that we can use and yeah yeah absolutely now Adrian was this the lake that you were telling me about that you grew up on um, wakeboarding and whatnot no this is actually the lake that she grew up on uh, okay. I grew up on I grew up on uh, from junior high till now Lake Wiley which is okay. in South, South Carolina South. all so right it's actually awesome. split South Carolina North Carolina oh really oh so yeah. right on the border huh yep. So now did you guys, and then Katie, you, you obviously grew up in South Carolina as well. I did. Yep. And this is the lake that I grew up on. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Lake folk. I like it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I never spent, I haven't spent too much time on a lake. Um, I mean here and there, like we, sometimes we go up to Maine or New Hampshire. And then when I lived in Florida, there was a few big lakes around that we'd go play in, but I've been mostly just saltwater. Oh, awesome. Yeah. I've Um, been... I've been here and there. Uh, I grew up. Uh, I grew up on the coast uh, uh, down in Wilmington, North Carolina, for a, for a good while. Um, so mm-hmm. I remember riding my bike down to the intercoastal waterway and 
trying to catch some croaker or whatever I could get whatever I could catch, you know? Uh, and then we moved, we moved around a little bit. So we were up in the mountains for a little while and then we kind of settled in, settled in South Carolina. Yeah. Yeah. So now how did you guys, how did you guys end up meeting the, the husband and wife duo? On the, oh, on the water actually. Yeah. <laughs> oh really? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, it was a mutual friend that he had invited out on the lake and, that uh, mutual friend invited me to go as well. And so that was actually the first time I met him was actually on a boat on Lake Wiley. Yep. Oh, really? Huh. Yep. That's awesome. And, it, and it's worked out. Yeah. <laughs> so far. Yeah. <laughs> so far, so good. Yeah, so right. far, so good. That's awesome. Yeah. So now I kind of got the backstory behind Adrian. I mean, you know, and then we'll dive right into Katie as well. But Adrian, you you're, you went to college for architecture and art and then eventually you know, would kind of lead your way into, um, you know, Mabel Designs. But Katie, how did you start out? You know, what's your kind of role and, and how are you kind of, you know, why, like, why create a bracelet company, I guess is, should be the bigger question. Yeah. So, um, Adrian is definitely the creative one of the relationship. My background, um, I studied human nutrition in college and now I'm actually a lactation consultant in my free time. So oh, really, <laughs> yeah. So I have, huh. I am not artsy in any way, shape or form. I really wish I could be, but, um, we actually, <laughs> we have a family calendar and one year for, um, fall, I tried to be cute and draw a pumpkin and it looked more like a caterpillar. So he drew legs on it <laughs> and it was our, it was our caterpillar pumpkin for the fall that year. So that was the last That's time awesome. I ever tried to draw anything, but, um, so yeah, I've just kind of followed in his footsteps and he's really the creative mind of Amabile designs. And I, I do string the bracelets and, um, I'm in charge of ordering the colors and, you know, all that kind of stuff, but he is really mm -hmm. the, the creative one. So yeah. So then Adrian, like, how did you kind of become this creative guy? I mean, growing up, I remember we spoke a little bit earlier. It was a lot of just, you know, kind of in your DNA, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I've, I've never really thought of myself as like an artistic type of person. Uh, I always thought my brother was a better artist than I am. And, um, uh, once I got into college, like I, like I, like I mentioned, I was going to do architecture cause I was pretty decent at math, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and so I started going to a college, uh, Winthrop university, which is right down the road from where I lived. Um, and they had a pretty good art department and I really liked just the, just like the feel of it. I, you know, it felt like somewhere I wanted to be. Um, mm -hmm. and so I changed my major to, um, photography um, and then I started taking kind of the core classes and, uh, and then I switched it up to a major that they actually have that's called jewelry and metals design. Um, mm -hmm. so it's a fine arts, it's, it's a bachelor in fine arts, but it's a jewelry and metal concentration. Uh, and I just, I just kind of fell into it since then. I, I really enjoy doing it cause it's a, um, it's a craft that kind of takes, uh, some precision uh, and I really yeah. enjoyed, I really enjoy doing that. I like putting a lot of effort and, and, uh, I'm kind of OCD <laughs> when it comes to that, um, <laughs> getting everything just right, you know, um, yeah. and, you know, I, from one job to the other, I just kept going with it and it just seemed like a good fit for me. Um, and it seemed like a good fit for us and we wanted to start something. So we figured why not that? Yeah. Right. Right. So, you know, as you guys were kind of, I mean, a lot of this has to do with, um, 
you know, how you guys grow up. Right. I mean, and the, I always find that a brand is always a representation of, you know, oneself to some extent. Right. Yeah. I mean, like good brands. I mean, we could take, um, for instance, Phil Knight and Nike, you know, I mean, there's stories of him with a waffle iron, you know, pouring the silicone molds and making the sneakers in his van and then going to track meets. Right. But if, if he wasn't a, into track, then he would never have probably created Nike, right? So it's this balance between, obviously, there has to be some sort of marketable good, but at the same time, it's truly a representation of, you know, how you guys feel and perceive your experiences that you've lived. So when you think back, you know, into becoming like this artistic person, you mentioned that you, you don't see yourself as an artist, but I think everyone in their own right is somewhat of an artist too, right? I mean, that's that might be getting a little bit existential, but I mean, why do you why don't you think you're an artist? I don't know. I mean, if he's modest. That's yeah, he's modest. Is. That's exactly right. Exactly. Yeah, there you go. And they're <laughs> laughing about it. <laughs> <laughs> She'll say it. I won't. Yeah, exactly. I won't say it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but, I mean, you know. I, I don't know. I always see other people's art and just feel like it, it has more, has more emotion to it. It has more just, I don't know. I just always feel like other people's art is better. So I'm Mm -hmm. just kind of like the guy that just plays in art. Uh, (laughs) At least, I mean, that's what I feel like. I still like to do Mm -hmm. art. I still like to, you know, I still like to create something that means more than just, you know, a piece of metal. Um, Right. Yeah. But (laughs) It's funny. You're like, I just like to play an art, but that is, that is an artist, right? Someone who is just playing and then creating something with their hands. that's you know, pretty spectacular. Is, yeah. That's like the definition of an artist. So what kind of pushed you? Cause you said you started out with photography and then, you know, you were an architecture major in college. So you, you were kind of heading down this road, right? I mean, that's just not, you know, you just don't go from becoming like a chemical engineer to all of a sudden, or maybe you do to, to someone that's, you know, making like these awesome bracelets, right. And really being dynamic and how you guys create them and thinking more big picture. Um, but it seems like your architecture to photography to then doing the metalwork stuff, there was like this pretty unique path, but it all kind of makes sense. If you kind of look back at it, um, from our previous conversation, you had mentioned that you came in touch with this one professor right. Who kind of pushed you into what is now, you know, what down the road would become a mobile designs. Am I pronouncing that right? A mobile. A mobile. All right. It's a mouthful. It's a mouth. Yeah, it is a mouthful. <laughs> um, but like why metalwork? I mean, why, why were you so intrigued to do that? Or like, why didn't you stick with photography? Um, you know, I started taking the core classes when I was in, when I was a photography major, the art, the, the fine arts core classes. So like two dimension design, three dimension design, draw figure Mm -hmm. drawing. Um, and this particular professor, uh, was a 2d two dimensional art professor. So it was kind of like shapes and lines and colors, um, type things. I actually still have, we actually framed a lot of the things that I did while I was in his class. And, mm-hmm. and are still up in our house today, but um, he Modest. was just super material. <laughs> well, it's because I told <laughs> him, and I, I no, she, I know. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> she framed, <laughs> and we have in our house. Um, Love it. <laughs> but uh, he was 
just extremely meticulous. I just remember seeing some of his artwork and thinking like, holy cow, like that had to take mm. so much patience and so much time and just so much devotion into every single piece that he did. Um, and I just really respected, I respected that aspect of it, you know, and he just pointed me in the direction of jewelry and metals. He said, you know, you have a really, you, you have a really high attention to detail um, and I, I kind of enjoy that aspect of it, that, that, that part of it. And so he pointed me mm -hmm. that direction. And so I started going that direction. And then I, in college, I actually got a job working at a jewelry store and really liked the hands-on feel. Um, I, I liked being in a jewelry studio. Um, I still really like two-dimensional design. I still really like the graphic design element of it and mm -hmm. everything like that. Um, so I like, I, I, you know, I came up with our logo and, I really like doing that part of it. Um, right. But I also like getting the hands-on part. I like to, I like to, um, all of our pieces, we actually carve out of wax. And mm -hmm. so I, I actually hand carve each piece out of wax and I do the finishing touches by hand on a bench. Um, and then we create the metal part of it and then we mold it. And that, that way we can kind of mass produce. Um, I hate to say mass produce cause it's not really mass produced. It's still, we still have to put, yeah, but there's a, every you have a process piece, but together. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I just, I've just always been a hands-on kind of person. Um, mm -hmm. and so I, I guess, I guess that's part the part that really drew me in towards it was the hands-on the hands-on and then being able to take that attention to detail and, and create something with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I think there's something to be said about, you know, hand built, handcrafted, you know, because yeah. that's not something that you're going to get with a machine. Right. And even yeah. if you utilize a machine, like a, I don't know, a Dremel or something to carve out or etch into something, there's that aspect of it that you're just not going to get from something that's made over in China right? Like this yeah. large manufacturing facility. So, you know, but you mentioned that you really enjoy working with your hands. And I think that's really unique, you know, in, in a world where, you know, it feels like more and more things are going into the computer and, you know, and not to be, not to say that, you know, graphic designers aren't artists of their own right. Right. Cause they certainly are, but I feel like using your hands really takes pay, really pays homage to, you know, those earlier times, right? A friend of ours, a family friend of ours, his name is Greg Thorne. And I was born in Laguna Beach, California, which is a big art town. And um, he was a metalsmith, right? So he'd make jewelry and whatnot. And I can remember as a kid going over his house. And for some reason, he was really into American history. So he would have, he would dress up like as a, in this Revolutionary War garb and then go make these rings and pendants and what have you. Um, so I can remember sitting down and making a sterling silver ring with him um, in, in California. So having that hands-on aspect to it, I can definitely relate, you know, and I see the importance of that, which would then, you know, I think will lead us perfectly into, you know, why you guys started what you started. So the story that I know, right. From speaking with you is, you know, eventually you kind of got, there was a shift, right, of, all right, now we have to then move into um, either do we go on and create our own thing? Do I go get another job? Can you kind of speak to that shift? Because I think there's a lot of importance there, especially when it comes to family, too. Yeah, I mean, I think 
so so our our big the big tipping point for us was um right after hurricane florence uh we mm. went down to the coast uh in the outer banks we went down to hatteras um and i you know I, I i've seen the coastline before and after a hurricane so i've seen a little bit of the a little bit of the chaos that it kind of can create and the you know the debris and everything like that but katie has she's never seen that she's never been down to the coast um right after a hurricane and so we went down several days after Hurricane Florence hit. It was and actually the day that they had opened because we we plan a um, Outer Banks vacation with his parents every year. Mm-hmm. So it was a vacation that we had already planned, and it just so happened that Hurricane Florence came through. And then the day, I think it was the day of our trip, they actually opened the islands back up to tourists. Hmm. And so we got there the day the day that the, everything had just opened back up. Yeah. yeah, and the devastation yeah. was everywhere. It was oh, everywhere. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you could see, you know, homes homes were were in shambles, and um, mm-hmm. I mean, you could tell where the dunes had been washed away. And we decided that we would go take a walk, and um, I mean, there were just it was amazing to me being the first time that I'd ever seen the shoreline just so dis- destruct destructed with just trash. And there were mm-hmm. well, the craziest thing too is it was bottle caps. So it was like water bottle caps and ketchup bottle caps, like all these bottle caps. And they were it was probably as about this wide and as far down the water line that you could see just all this plastic waste just washed up onto the shoreline. And it's the mm. first time that I had ever walked out to the ocean and just felt sad. You know, normally when you walk out and you look at the ocean and you can hear the seagulls chirping and you can hear the waves ro- roaring and the white sand in between your toes, but it was not that feeling at all. The only thing that you could focus on was all this just ugly that was, mm. that was in front of you. And it was, it was yeah. you know, it was like, what do you, <laughs> what do you say to your, what was she at the time? Four, three? Oh, no, she was younger than that. Yeah, what do you, three. you know, what do you say to your three-year-old? He's like, why is there trash all over the, right. Why is there trash all the way down the beach? You know? And, Mm. that was the point where it was it was like okay let's let's take our life and do something about this let's let's take what Mm -hmm. we do and and really do something about this um now why do you think because that's that's a very gut reaction you know that's a very there's a problem we see and we want to either we could be someone that just goes and picks up the trash which is all well and good or we can try and make a movement to then you know, really change it on like a, on a totally different level, you know? Yeah. So why do you think, was there this juxtaposition where you guys went on this trip, but leading up to said trip, there must've been something that you guys were kind of pondering in your head, right? This, this feeling of maybe like, all right, we want to, we want to try and create something. Cause I think any normal person would go down the beach like, wow, it's destroyed. And then they'll go home and that, and they go watch a movie that night. Right. But for you guys, you you had this, you had this complete and utter reaction to this and then you want to respond to it, you know? So what was that? Like, what was the juxtaposition here? Well, I kind of think a big part of it too is, um, Adrian was working, um, at a store, um, in a jewelry store that was probably about an hour and 15 minutes away from home. And so he was gone for 12 or more hours, five to six days of the week. And, you know, I think one night he came home and 
the kids were always in bed by the time he got home. He'd get home and it'd be 7.15, 7.30. So he was missing out a lot. And mm-hmm. um, we just started talking and he was like, you know, I'm missing so much of their life and we're I'm just working so much and we're not getting to go do as many things as we used to. And so I think the idea kind of started probably probably about six months before that trip. Like, what can we do as a couple to be able to spend more time together as a family? So we kind of started thinking that, we wanted something to change in our life. We weren't sure exactly what that was going to be because the town that we live in is really small. So if you're going to, if you're going to have a job, um, that's going to support your whole family, you kind of have to drive a little ways because, you know, it's Mm -hmm. a very small town. And so that, that trip just kind of kicked it off for us. And where Adrian was like, you know what, we can use our skills. We can do something about this, both problems. We can spend more time as a family, but we can also do something to help clean up. Right. Right. Do you think it was important for, you know, cause you mentioned, um, what it was your son that saw the, the devastation of the beach as well. Right. And was, yeah, it, was it our daughter? She's your the, daughter. She's I'm the, sorry. Yeah, she's the oldest one. No, 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 no worries. <laughs> yeah. So when she, when you guys, when you bring her to the beach and you guys, you know, say like, Oh, this is, this is what happens after a hurricane. Right. There's, that's a super, interesting teaching point there right yeah i think a lot of parents could take notes from because if you think about it now you you guys are doing a direct response to the issues at hand right so not only are you spending more time with your family which is super respectable but you're also taking a moment to you know say like oh well you know come on sweetie like we're actually gonna fix this problem at its core instead of just pick up a few things you know um you know growing up my mom was always in and my dad as well. My mom was a um, environmental educator, right? So it was always when you go to the beach, it's either trash or it's treasure, you know, and you, you go around if it's a shovel that you find like a little plastic shovel, well, that's treasure because you can still use it. But if it's a bottle cap, that's trash, right? So it was yeah. this, there was this mentality that was always kind of driven into me of, all right, well, if you, if you want to do something and if you see something respond to it, just don't react to it. You know, because I think there's a real big difference between response and reaction or vice versa. Um, So through this response to the hurricane and also the combination of you wanting to spend more time with your family, you know, how did this all kind of kick off? Like, what was the what was the spark here? Because you don't just go from, oh, I'm going to start something. And then all of a sudden you realize, oh, wow, there's a lot to this. You know, I mean, I've done the same thing. Right. So what were, what were some of like the first steps that you guys took? Um, I, well, you know, I had, I had, so I already had a studio. I had like a it, small jewelry studio kind of set up already. Um, mm-hmm. mildly set up. I wasn't doing anything major in it, but it was just kind of a studio set up from some equipment that I had, that I had gotten from a previous job. And, um, I, you know, I, I said, you know what, let me, let me try to figure out what we're going to make before we, you know, before, (laughs) obviously before we start trying to sell it. Um, Mm -hmm. and so I, you know, I put together a bracelet with some beads that we had, that I bought from a store locally. And as I was putting it together, I just thought, you know, I want, I want some better material. I want some material that like speaks to our story, um, and really Mm kind of speaks to what speaks to what we want to do. Uh, cause I had like a, I used like a stainless steel cable that was, you know, not, um, 
clear coated stainless steel cable and then just some beads mm-hmm. that I had bought that were off the shelf. And I, I didn't, I just didn't like making it. Uh, and so I started looking for a recycled, uh, a recycled nylon that I could use. And then I found the company that we started using and it took a year at least to find mm. the right material. And then to find not only the right material, but somewhere where I could buy it as just a small business. Um, Mm -hmm. and so once we found the material, then I wanted to use like a rope material. So I had to actually find a manufacturer that would not just make rope, but actually make the rope with the material that I wanted to use. Um, so the nylon was the material. So yeah, it's, it's, so it's a, it's actually a regenerated nylon. It's a company called eco Nile. Um, and they make this nylon from a big part of what they make it from is actually recycled like fishing nets that they that they purchased pulled from the ocean. Uh, Mm -hmm. So yeah, so it's, it's recycled fishing nets and then other recycled nylon scraps from like carpet manufacturing and things like that. And it's, what's Mm -hmm. really cool, I think is not just that it's pulled from the ocean, but you know, it's, it kind of like, it's almost part of the solution in itself, but it's Mm -hmm. actually a hundred percent regenerative. So we can send it back and completely recycle it or regenerate it into this, fresh nylon and then just reuse it um so we found that nylon and they agreed to send us some and then we had to find a manufacturer that made ropes that would make a rope with that nylon that took wow all right so (laughs) are you following me (laughs) i'm i'm let me just put this together in my own head so you guys say all right we've got to come up with some designs and then you f- you're finding when you say nylon, you're you're actually talking about the material itself, right? right. So you're not just going and buying the rope. You yeah. have to find the nylon, Correct. and then now you're finding a manufacturer to make that nylon into rope. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, so our, we're starting from scratch. All right. Cool. Right. I like <laughs> okay. it. Okay. So our our bead bracelets, the ones that have the beads on them, and I can tell you a little bit more about the beads and the silver. Mm-hmm. Um. The, but the bead bracelets are actually strung on that nylon. Okay. So that's the that's the that's the string that we get from the nylon manufacturer. Mm-hmm. From Econow. So, yeah, from Econow. So then we find uh, a uh, a company that. Um, we'll take that nylon and make it into rope. And it was actually pretty mm. cool. Cause I, I mean, I called, I don't know how many companies I, and all this so many. now, mind you, all this is like, I have an hour lunch break. So all this right. is, you know, during my lunch break, cause by the time I get off of work, all these places are closed and on mm-hmm. my drive to work, they're not open. And so all this, I know the feeling. This, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all this research and everything and all these calls that I'm making are all on my lunch break. Um, so, so I called several places that made rope and nobody would want to, n- nobody wanted to touch my material. Nobody wanted to take material that we would send them and make it into rope. And then finally I, I called this mm. place and, um, at first they said no, but then I told them, I told them the whole story. I told them what we were trying to do with it and then our mission and, and how we're trying to give back with each person and everything. And they said, you know what, let's, let's try it. We'll try it. And so they made, they ended up making our rope. So that's where we get our rope from now. Um, for the, for oh, the, awesome. um, yeah, they, they've been super helpful. Um, but they make our rope for all the rope that we have. They make the, the small rope that we have and then the larger rope that we have. Um, mm-hmm. and then, the, um, and then from there, you're the one that's actually making the, 
the bracelets. I mean, Katie, you mentioned earlier that, you know, you were the one that's threading the the beads onto the rope and you're, you know, picking out the colors and like, you're really kind of, this is a hands-on family based business. Like everyone. Oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I even, yeah. um, our daughter, she even likes to, when she sees me on the website, she's like, Ooh, I want to pick this time. And so she'll run over and she'll, she'll tell me which, which beads that she wants. And so, yeah, it really is. It's a definitely yeah. a family, even our, our, our sons, we have a, uh, our daughter's six and our boys are mm-hmm. two and four. And, um, we have to use a candle to, um, to, <laughs> to seal off some of the connections and stuff on the, uh, on the strings. And even the boys will come over and blow out the candle. So <laughs> everybody, everybody yeah. has a role. <laughs> Every Everyone has a, job. Every time. has a job. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it's just, you guys are building the labor force for the future right there. Right. <laughs> right, gotta, right, right. Yeah, Cause I make, yeah. I make, um, so I make all the silver components in the studio, um, mm-hmm. and then I bring everything home and we string it all at the house. And so I'm sitting at our, I'm literally sitting on our dining room table with all the beads and everything. And she, she does all the, she, do, I make her do most of the stringing nowadays, <laughs> nowadays but, uh, <laughs> stringing and chipping. That's me. I do like the last, the finishing touch on the, um, bracelets. And so it's, mm-hmm. it's cool. You know, it's really cool to share it with the kids. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I getting to see our especially our daughter she kind of gets it the most she's the oldest but getting to see her like you know we'll, we'll we'll be talking to some of our partners some of our water cleaning partners and she's like oh was mm-hmm. that you know who who was that you were talking to and then we kind of explained to her oh that was one of the partners that cleans the water in this area and you can right. tell like she gets it you know she's starting to understand mm-hmm. more and more about what we do and it's just really really cool to see that and to see that yeah impact. what's uh you know because you know you went from a job that was taking you away from family and then now yeah. you're you guys are both like building this almost you know in part i'm sure a lot for your family right i mean this is something yeah. that you guys want to create for the long term how important is that component to it you know the family component being together yeah. and being to take the time off and sitting at the table and you know i mean just a little antidote like my my dad right he was he worked sales for a long time and he still does. And that took him away a lot, right? I mean, he was yeah. working, he'd fly around. Sometimes he'd be in, you know, two states in one day, you know, for, wow. for a breakfast. And then he'd be, you'd have dinner in another state in a different time zone, right? Yeah. Um, but the brief moments that I did get to spend with him were awesome, you know? And, and, and you know, now that he's kind of going, coming up to retirement, I need to spend more time with him now too. But there was this brief moment that he actually he decided that he was going to start his own business and he, he got a business doing promotional items. Right. And I can remember the funnest parts were on the weekend for me. I didn't give a crap about what any of my friends were doing because we were going to go move boxes at the, at his business, you know, and that that to me was such a eye opening experience. And this kind of pushed me into what I'm what I'm doing now. But it's that family component of, all right, everyone get in the truck. We're going to move boxes. And we'd literally move boxes for eight hours a day, you know? And, but it was those moments that kind of you grow as a person, right? And not only that, but you kind of grow as a family together because you're both do, you're all doing something contributing to what's putting food on the table, right? Right. I mean, at its core, at the end of the day. So, like how important is that component to you guys in, in, in how you guys operate as a business? Gosh, this, so I, you just look straight at me. Yeah, I'll put you on the spot. I'll let you answer. Katie, go. Gosh, you know, it, it's, it's so important. And I know 
I remember my parents, they both worked nine to fives, but, um, Mm -hmm. so we, you know, we got a lot of time with them. They were always at our games. And I just remember as a, as a child, like my parents always showed up, they were always there. And I loved, you know, being able to see them there in the stands. And that's really, that's really what I want for our kids too. I want them to feel like we're always there for them. And, getting to see them, like he was saying earlier, our, our daughter, she's six, like she really gets it. And it's just been Mm -hmm. really awesome just seeing her like, you know, we want, we want our, our brand to be a lifestyle. We don't want it just to be something that is going to bring food to the table. I mean, that's great that it does that mm-hmm. and do that, but you know, we want it to, to do a, that, right? right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a little important, but you know, we yeah. want it to be a lifestyle. We want, we want people to buy into our, the lifestyle of taking care of the mm-hmm. earth and making things better and being a positive impact for wherever you are. And our daughter, I mean, she gets it and it's so cool watching them watching them really start to get it. So we went for a hike, um, a few years ago now it was before, our, no, actually it was right after our third, third child, our youngest son was born. And, um, we're going, we're on this hike and she's skipping along and she's bending down and she's picking stuff up and she's putting in her pockets and she is the queen of acorns and rocks. So I'm thinking like, mm-hmm. okay, mental note, like get those out before it goes into the wash and the dryer. And so then we get done and we're back in the parking lot and she's making a beeline towards the bathroom. So I'm thinking, okay, we've got a potty. And so then she gets over there and she goes straight to the dumpster. She bypasses the potty, mm-hmm. goes straight to the dumpster and she pulls trash out of her pockets and she's like which one does this go in and she's talking about like is this a recycling bin item or is this mm-hmm. a trash you know is this something that goes in the trash can and it just you know it really hit me at that point like we're doing something that is impacting our children so our children mm-hmm. are seeing us do this and now it's it's becoming part of her and that's she just does that i mean even in the car, like on the way up to the lake house, there's this one strip of highway that you can tell people just throw their trash out. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. so much trash. And even our four-year-old son today was, he was like, mommy, why are there so many cups on the road? And I'm like, I don't know, bud, like they shouldn't be yeah. there today. So it's really, it's been really great having our kids involved in that side of it and just really seeing them, seeing them learn and seeing them have that same passion for taking care of taking care of our planet too, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that's such a huge component of what you guys are doing. And, you know, what is it that, I mean, you know, we could talk about how you build a bracelet and and the designs of it. And I do want to talk more about, you know, your kind of your, um, the influence behind, you know, the name and behind why you guys create, you know, the designs that you create. I mean, I'm wearing, I'm wearing mine right now. I had to, I, 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 I took it off earlier cause I had to do an oil change. So I didn't want to get it all dirty, but I put it back on and I've been wearing it around, you know, and, um, I like it. I like it a lot. You know, it's simple. It, it's got an enough, I, I'm going to call it my, I'm going to call it flair. It, it's got enough flair for me to kind of stand out, but, um, but to be subtle at the same time. But I, I like it cause it's, it's, uh, you know, just like any form of art, it's a, it's the, outward appearance of what you believe in, right? It's, you're, you're providing this perception that, all right, well, I'm representing, you know, a fisherman and his fishing net, right? I'm representing the ocean today because I'm putting this on and, and that's what it is. You know, that's what you guys are creating. You're creating this lifestyle and this representation of what you believe in. So, you know, Adrian, when you guys are kind of, when you're designing these, 
what's kind of going in your head as to, you know, how am I going to better represent what I believe in through this, through this piece of art? I mean, I think most of that is the materials. Um, you know, most, most of that for, for me, at least it's, it's the materials that we choose. Uh, and I try to be, I try to be super intentional about, um, really every aspect of what we're creating, whether it be like, you know, the, the process that I have to go through to create the bracelet, the materials that we're using in the bracelet, uh, when we wrap the bracelet and ship it, like what, you know, what mm -hmm. we, what materials does it take to run our company, um, and to run our business? What materials does it take for us to get a product from us to you? Um, even, even, I mean, he's even like looked into how the, how the companies treat their employees, you know, before yeah. we buy from them, because it's not just about like, are you eco-friendly? It's also about, are you human friendly? You know, like, are <laughs> yeah. you treating your right. employees right? And, um, yeah. So, so I mean, and then, and then as far as like the design of every piece, like what it looks like and stuff that, that more is just the kind of, that's more of the art that I play in kind of the kind of, mm -hmm. the kind of field, um, whether or not I think it looks good or not. And it, I don't know. I mean, some of them I get done and I'm like, yeah, I don't really love that. But then she's like, no, I think it looks great. Let's do it. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and, yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. I, th I think all of it, I, I kind of, I, I gravitate, gravitate towards like the ocean and fishing and um, that, that sort of aspect. So it, you know and that's what on, she based the um the small bead bracelets the hook yeah so yeah so i was gonna say that some of the designs are more of like you know kind of kind of i don't want to say islander design vibe kind of kind of thing i don't know i don't know exactly I get the it. terminology I get it. but yeah. uh yeah but then as far as like these go the the uh, guardian bracelet which is the one that we sent you which by the way i've changed mm -hmm. my will and it comes right out um, <laughs> I got, oh, really? okay. Get to now. Yeah. um, um, but that was kind of, that was an interesting design. That was, um, so one day I was looking down at my wrist and so, like I said, we have a six year old girl, uh, before I had, I obviously I have my hair up, so I have longer hair mm -hmm. now, but I never, I did I had shorter hair for a long time and I just decided what the heck I'm on. I'm going to try to grow it out and see what happens. But, um, mm -hmm. I didn't wear a, a hairband on my wrist and when we had our little girl when her hair got long enough i started wearing a hairband on my wrist because i had a um i had a jeep and we take the top off and every time mm -hmm. we take the top off i'd put her hair up and so i just remember looking at my wrist one day thinking like you know how much just looking down at my wrist and seeing that hair bow like just seeing something that meant something else you know what i'm saying like right seeing that hair bow and realizing like that doesn't, that's not just something that's wrapped around my wrist. That's something mm -hmm. that like, it reminds me of her. It reminds me of like just all of the emotion that comes all along with having a little girl and, and, and all mm -hmm. that. Like we wanted to kind of create something that was really small, really simple. But when you look down at your wrist, it made you think like, what kind of, what, what kind of choice am I going to make with, with this, this plastic cup that I have? Am I going to recycle it or just throw it out the window, throw it out the window? I mean, we wanted something that, you know, would, would kind of remind you to, Hey, let me think about this choice before I make it. Um, let me think about the impact that it's going to have a little bit further than just, is it going to be quick and easy for me? Or is it going to be something that's, that's actually taking care of the one planet that we have? Yeah. 
I love that. Yeah. And, you know, just today it was, it was, you know, I, I try and go outside every day and if I see plastic or trash or I'm always on the docks, I'm always on the water. So I constantly see, especially this yeah. time of year, shrink wrap is, everywhere. Oh, yeah. it just, yeah. it's everywhere in the ocean. It's everywhere on the, in, in the marinas and I try and pick it up when I can. Um, obviously this time of year, it's, the water's really cold. So I try not to risk falling in, um, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but, um, but when I can, I do. So I, I, I really like that idea of, you know, being able to look down at it and say like, okay, let me, instead of walking by that cup on the side of the road, I'm actually going to go and pick it up, you know, and take that yeah. like two seconds to bend down and grab it. Yeah. Um, but you guys keep kind of alluding to this, you know, there's, there's more to the bracelets in your reach than just you know, one race at one person. Right. And you guys have this big, um, you know, conservation aspect to the whole company and, and how you guys are going about really perpetuating this mindset of, you know, a cleaner ocean, you know, more sustainably minded, fair trade, like having, you know, the human, even the human side of it. Right. So what are kind of some of the things that you guys are doing now to help perpetuate that? That's a hand. That's a that's a that's a throw to you, Katie. <laughs> yeah, right. So you know, there's companies out there that are doing um, you know ocean cleanups, and and it's it's great mm -hmm. because they need to be like these global cleanups. They need to happen, and um, we started thinking like you know we love that idea, but what about like like watery? What about like Wiley? What about where we live, where we grew up, where we vacation? Um, mm -hmm. and so we started thinking we wanted to bring that into our company. We wanted to be able to clean up the waters that we knew. So that was where we started looking into who's cleaning up like Wiley and, um, the Catawba river keepers were the ones. And so that was really our first, first partners. Um, and then we've kind of grown from there and gotten more partners. So what our we, goal is, sorry. We actually didn't, we didn't start trying to sell or trying to, we didn't start a, the, uh, resale or yeah, we didn't start. Thank you. We didn't, we didn't start the commerce aspect of it until we created our first nonprofit partnership because we, mm. that was, I mean, that's the whole reason we were doing it was, was to create a product that would, um, not just be a, a product that was clean, but also that, that when we sold that product, you were, doing something. not just doing something with it, but you were also hopefully getting connected with the people that are, you cleaning know, boot, yeah, boots on the ground, cleaning the waters, mm -hmm. testing the waters, fighting for the legal action of the waters, um, just every aspect of, of your water. And so, I, so it, it didn't start. So building on what she said, it didn't start until we first created that first partnership. Um, yeah. And then, you know, and then we had that partnership and then we kind of yeah, figured it out. And what's kind of been amazing to me is the more that we've gotten into this and really started talking to people about what we do, they're like, I didn't realize that there was anybody out there taking care of the waters. I didn't know they were doing mm. water testing. I didn't know that, you know, they were keeping companies from dumping all their garbage into the, to the rivers. And so, you know, and that's a big part of it too, is we don't want to just, um, just send them a check once a year or however often mm -hmm. we send that particular organization a check. We want to get locals 
involved. So we want to be that connection that introduces them to the water cleaning organization in, in their area. So that way, if they want to donate directly to them, they can, or if they want to show up to cleanups, they can, if they want to host their own cleanup, mm -hmm. they can. Yeah. So we want that's we want all aspects of our of our brand to come back to what the individual can do to make everything better. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. And that's what's really important. You know, it's it's the education aspect. You know, it's great that yeah. you, that you want to purchase a bracelet, but you know, it's it's like here we need to think more of in a broader spectrum, right? We need to think you know, and at the same time, I, I really enjoy how you guys are kind of taking it on a very granular, granular level too, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, there's, there's places here in Rhode Island that just don't get the attention that they deserve, right? And in areas that people don't really think about because they're like, oh yeah, the water just exists there. Like, that'll be fine. It'll be there for the next 10 years. But what they don't realize is there's teams and groups of people behind that that are actually preserving, you know, and keeping it pristine so that you can go kayaking. So that right. if you, yeah. you you go swimming in it, you're not going to get, you know, tetanus and all this other right. that, yeah. that's floating around there, right? And, yeah. You know, and it can't just be from the government, right? It has to be this citizen science kind of, you know, hand, boots on the ground approach, like you said, right? Yeah. So what are some of the, what are some of the, um, you know, you mentioned the, the river keepers. What are some of the other ones that you guys have started to kind of deal with? Because I know you guys have your hands in a lot of them. I know you're with 1% for the planet and a bunch of other organizations yeah. as well. Yeah, so we we started with uh, we actually started with a one percent for the the one percent for the planet and the Catawba Riverkeeper was kind of like all at the same all at the same time. Uh, but we can't we became one percent for the planet members just to kind of to be part of that movement, but also to access like their their um, to be part of that community, I guess, uh, mm -hmm. to be able to access their their list of nonprofits that they've kind of vetted, and you know, they take the time to really figure out who's, you know, what nonprofits are actually doing what they say they're doing, um, and so, so we one percent for the planet, and then um, Catawba River Keepers, which is which is all part of the Waterkeeper Alliance program, or. Okay. organization uh it's kind of a big broad organization and then um they're broken down the, into smaller smaller parts yeah and then mm. um we just most recently um joined with uh cca in florida um in maryland okay. yep so those are our first ccas and the rest of our um partners are our river keepers but um i mean we're not necessarily like just doing river keepers or just cca like we want to branch out mm. and um yeah, we, what as we, many as we can. What we try to do is we try to look at these organizations, um, and, and then we dig a little deeper and figure out like how active they are in the community and what they're actually doing for the community and and what mm -hmm. fights they're fighting. And it's really, it's really, really cool to see that every group that we're partnered with is fighting for a different aspect of the water. And I think mm -hmm. that's been one of the one of the coolest eye openers that I didn't expect is to see that like. <laughs> all these different areas have different, um, oh, what's the word they have? Uh, like there's obviously there's different issues that are affecting every area. And so what's sure. really cool about what we're doing is these local boots on the ground, these local organizations are fighting the issues for that area. Mm -hmm. And so I think mm -hmm. that to me, that was a big eye opener to see like, it's not, it's not just, Hey, we need to go out and pick this trash up. Hey, we need to stop 
plastic pollution. Hey, we need to stop um, people from pouring stuff into our waters that shouldn't be there, waste into our waters. But every area has a different, whether it's, um, you know, reef. Um, oh, my gosh, I'm drawing a blank. Uh, oyster. Like, oyster, <laughs> oyster reef restoration. <laughs> thank you. Restoration, habitat yeah, restoration. Yeah, yeah. Uh, thank you. I got you. <laughs> but, yeah, it's it's really cool. And then a lot of the groups that we're partnered with just went out and they um, – I don't remember the term they used, but they used uh, – they put a lot of wooden – like stakes stakes down the edge of the riverbank mm-hmm. to preserve the riverbank mm-hmm. so that so that it creates from washout and stuff and it's just really mm-hmm. really cool to see these you know these locals and that's what they are they're local communities fighting for their waters and i love just love right. being a part of that i love being a small part you know the small part that we are yeah. is, is really cool yeah absolutely i think on on you know thinking about it in in terms of like the locality when you when you try and involve the locals in preserving their own waterways that there's more of a connection there right i would yeah. i would think right because yeah. instead yeah. of thinking you know not to you know if if there's a bigger company that's saying all right we're going to we're going to protect all the oceans well as someone who lives on the atlantic ocean like the Indian Ocean and the Arctic Ocean aren't really, a, you know, a huge concern just because right. and, and not to say that they're not a concern. It's just right. I don't have right. a connection to them. Right? right. Like I'm I'm very connected to the Atlantic. I lived out in Hawaii. I was born in California. So I'm very much so connected to the Pacific. But so when someone says uh, they're talking to me about the Indian Ocean, I have no idea what they're saying. Right. Yeah. So I think having that locality and that same mentality of. I care about this particular lake. I care about this particular river. Knowing that that watershed is really a much bigger picture, I think is a very interesting way to go about it. I really like that approach to it just because, you know, it takes a village to do it, you know, and villages are small, but once they all band together, then we're, then we're actually getting somewhere. Like we're, we got, we got, we're fighting with fire at that point. Right. Yeah. Um, so, you know, through this whole process, there's always definitely some learning curves, right? To doing this, you know. <laughs> I mean, you guys, you guys have a, you guys have three kids, right? We you do. got, you know, you have a job, you got, you got bills you got to pay, and all these other things. So, like, what are some of the learning curves that you guys have kind of come to when creating this, right? And in, in living in such, you know, a dynamic environment. Yeah, I think the biggest learning curve it has been trying to figure out what the other one needs as far as like a creative or a quiet space. Like I, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I, I can embrace the chaos and it doesn't matter if all three of them are screaming and pulling on my shirt. Like I can get my stuff done. I'm good. Adrian needs that like quiet, calm space. So I think the biggest. Yeah, but you're a part- mom. Right? <laughs> You're a mom. It comes with Moms live in chaos. <laughs> exactly. I, 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 I torture my mom now. I mean, it, it's, it's not, it's never going to stop. Right. Right. But, 
Interesting. I didn't mean to interrupt. Go on. Yeah. Oh, no, you're good. So I think that's been the biggest thing for us is, you know, I can I can kind of tell when he's sitting down to to work on um, either the website or something social media or something that he needs to sit down and quiet. I can almost see him like start twitching that, <laughs> that it needs to be quiet. So um, I think learning learning that about each other and um, just being able to get the kids outside or, you know, let him go to his studio if he needs to or, you know, something like that. For for me, I think that was the biggest learning curve. What would you say, Adrian? Yeah, I mean, there, there's there's obviously been a lot of things that we had to both kind of learn um, as far as starting your own business. I mean, we do right now. We do our website, we do our social media, all that's just we're a you know two person team here. Um, so figuring out all of that, I knew nothing. I literally had a Facebook that I never used. Uh, and now I have mm-hmm. to run an Instagram for a business. Um, mm-hmm. And so figuring that out and learning that we've had, we've met some awesome people who have been just extremely helpful all along the way, as far as tips and, you know, just helping us, just, just guiding us through it. Um, yeah. So, I, I mean, and then, and then the website and, and graphic design, you know, obviously you have to know a little bit of graphic design for the website and then photography mm-hmm. is that's, almost all the pictures you see are all pictures that we took. Um, so you have that, you know, you got that aspect of it. We're, we're trying to bootstrap everything. So we're trying to do everything ourselves so that we don't go into like tons of debt. Um, (laughs) uh, so, so there's that aspect of it. And then the other aspect I think is, is figuring out how to, when to shut it off. Um, for me, that's the hardest part. I obsess about everything. So figuring out like, okay, it's five o'clock. I need to stop thinking about the business <laughs> and, and spend yeah. some me time. You know, I need to think about mm-hmm. the things that I, I need to really concentrate on the kids. I, I was telling her um, that one of the things I do, she, she works a part-time job and I also work at another sort of part-time job. Um, but when she goes to work, I watch all three of the kids since COVID uh, they don't go to school. Mm-hmm. They, we, do virtual school. Um, but I take them outside and I do no phone time, basically no phone time mm-hmm. uh, in quotations, uh, <laughs> which is, I, I, I don't look at Instagram. I don't look at Facebook. I don't look at emails. I don't look at anything. I just stay outside and I play with the kids. I take that mental yeah. break and I didn't mm-hmm. do that at first. And I think that was realizing that I need to take time where it's okay not to think about the business Mm-hmm. really has been a huge like groundbreaking <laughs> groundbreaking uh thing for me um so i think that was one of the hardest things for me to learn um yeah as far as starting yeah. a business well, and... i i think that is such an underrated you know both things that you guys mentioned are very underrated you know i think one and they both play into each other very well right and yeah you know, being able to find that time to have peace and quiet and and be able to focus. But at the same time, like you can't spend all your time focused, right? Right. You need to have that time where you can get away and and, and be free from your thoughts. And that's something that I have not figured out yet. So I'm really stoked (laughs) that you did. (laughs) Because Still um, trying, still uh, trying. Oh yeah, I struggle still with trying. it it's, every it's, day. So, so, so don't, don't beat yourself it's up. It's an evolution. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, and you know, a friend of mine, John, who I've mentioned on this podcast many times, um, he he has a coffee company, 
right? And he does very successful with it and it's all on Amazon and it's very much so, you know, it's, it's a fast paced thing, right? When you're growing and evolving and he, he calls what you just said as head chair. So that's the, that's how I categorize it as head chair, right? Cause your head's always in the chair. Like it's always behind yeah. the driver's seat or in the, in the, you know, behind the computer ready to pounce on the next opportunity. But it's super important to be able to take those brief moments um, and whatever that is to just either be with your family, go to the gym, take a walk outside, like right. something that yeah. is, something that's for you. Right. Yeah. So, well, it's been a real pleasure being able to sit down here and talk with you guys. I think this was, I mean, it was a lot of fun. I I'm, I'm glad we could make this connection through Nick yeah. from chasing tides. Shout out to Nick. Thank you. Yep, yep. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, guys. So where can people learn more about, you know, what you guys got going on? How can they buy a bracelet? Like how can they get involved? Uh, Amabile designs, A M A B I L E designs with an S dot uh, com. And then at Amabile designs on Instagram and Facebook. Um, and we try to always list our partners so they can always see the different partners on there. And then, and then we have a section on our website that lists all of our partners. But um, yeah, check us out there. Follow us, please. Um. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah. Thank you guys for sticking around for the end of the show. And thank you for listening to this episode of Along the Keel. It always means a lot to see people tuning into these awesome stories of people just trying to spread the good word and do something good. And uh, one thing that stuck out for me was the story that Adrian told about him looking down to his wrist and seeing the scrunchie, you know, and that was such a powerful moment because what it was is it was a representation of not just him wearing a scrunchie, but it was this representation of him being a dad, right? And I think with what they're trying to do with the bracelets is when you look down at your wrist, you see a bit of the ocean. You see a, you see a bit of your yourself in that item, you know, and I think that's super important. I think that's something that a lot of people are starting to resonate with and they want to put their money where their mouth is and, and vote with your wallet. You know, if you want to purchase a great bracelet, go through these guys. They're helping the planet. They're helping the ocean and uh, they're just good people. So with that, thank you, Adrian and Katie. Really appreciate you guys coming onto the show. If you guys want to learn more about Adrian and Katie, you can go to amabileco.com. Check them out on Instagram, Facebook, and wherever else they are. They're everywhere on social media and do a great job with it. Also, check us out along the keel.com. Sign up for our newsletter and uh, check out Chasing Tides. They did a great article, and we're super stoked to be partnering up with those guys. So stay tuned. We got some cool things coming. Anyway, remember to work hard, do good, be incredible, and have an awesome day.